Our, our lead pastor, Justin, and his family are away for a couple of weeks, and so we continue our series called Us this morning. And uh, we have the great honor of hearing from one of my favorite people in the whole world this morning. So Nancy and Joe Silva, who you may or may not know, are two of probably the most pivotal people um, in the founding of our church. So everything that you see around you, they've had a hand in creating and, and working for and bleeding for, and they've been here from day one, and uh, they are a major part of uh, this community. So Joe is one of our elders, Nancy works at the office, keeps all of us in line, um, like Mother Goose, and so we're grateful for her. Nancy is sharing with us this morning, and so would you help me welcome her this morning. Good morning. Woo! How about that Mike Schnapp? Huh? Give a round of applause for that Mike Schnapp. I love that guy. Like a mom. I love him like a mom. Good morning. It's still morning, right? Oh yeah, eleven forty-five. What an honor. What a joy it is to be here. You know, like Mike shared, it's been a rough weekend because um, we're family, but it's just a, it's an honor to, to be here with you this morning. Um, as uh, Mike mentioned, Joe and I have been around since the beginning of time. I'm about 300 years old now. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a joy. It's, an, it's a blessing. It's been an incredible blessing for my husband and I, our three kids, now two of them are married, they have spouses, to be part of City Church, to be part of what God is doing here in New England. It's just incredible. Um, I've absolutely loved these past five messages, the Us series, where Justin has unpacked what shapes the culture of City Church. Um, you know, God is really moving here in New England, and we, City Church gets to be part of that. So it's worth, it's worth your time to go back, if you've missed any of those five messages, and, and, and hear about those first of the seven distinctives that define who we are, what you're an important part of here at City Church. So when Justin asked me if I would do today, it's nerve-wracking, but it's an honor. And I was really excited about the topic. I was excited about this distinctive. It's, the, the distinctive is simply this, our relationships build muscle. Our relationships build muscle. You know, I believe with all my heart that inside each one of us, there is a longing for community. There is a want to be part of something that you want a tribe, you want a group, you want a couple of people that who know you, who you know, who value, who appreciate and love you. It's, it's a deep longing in, in every one of our hearts. There's not one of us in this room who wants to be alone, who wants to be isolated. At the same time, I don't think there's one of us in this room who doesn't have a broken relationship, something that has ended poorly in a way we didn't want it to, whether it's with a parent or a spouse or a good friend, um, a sibling, whoever it is, with a child. Every one of us has that. We have this longing for deep relationships, and at the same time, we don't always know how to do it. Often we look around and we think everybody else has these deep, strong relationships and we struggle and we strive and we don't get there. Why is it so hard if we all want it? Why is it so hard? Um, is it even really possible? Is it possible to build relationships that will last a lifetime, that go beyond the surface, that go deep and they go wide and they last a lifetime? I'm here to say yes. I wholeheartedly believe it is more than possible. The best place to find answers, at least for me, for all of us, is in the Word of God. So we're going to look today at Ephesians chapter 4. 
Um, you can follow on this, if you have a Bible or your phone, you can follow along or you can follow on the screen. In Ephesians chapter 4, the, the six verses I'm going to read, we see Paul lay out almost a framework, a formula of how to build these strong relationships. So let's dive right in. Ephesians chapter 4 says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, I'm sorry, God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Let's just pray. God, we come to you and we trust you. We trust you. We need you desperately. And Lord, I pray that today it wouldn't be my words or my opinion or my experience, but by the Spirit of God, through your word that's living and active, you would teach us how to build strong, godly, lifelong relationships. So right now, each one of us, we just quiet our hearts and we turn towards you, God. We turn towards you in trust and in faith, fully, earnestly expecting you to speak to us. In Jesus' name. So in this passage, we see right out of the gate that Paul is urging us, he's insisting that we walk in a manner worthy. The Amplified Translation says that, ver- that verse, that first verse li- like this, it says, I urge you to live a life worthy Live a life worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So the first thing I I see in these verses um, in regards to building a strong, you know, muscled relationships is that we need to examine our daily lives. We need to take a look at how we're living our lives day in, day out, hour after hour, week after week. You know, about four years ago, through the urging of our son, my husband and I dipped our toes into the ridiculous world of CrossFit. Um, And yes, we drank the Kool-Aid. I love it. I'm one of those obnoxious people who, right out of the bat, I have to bring up CrossFit. Hence, I'm bringing up CrossFit. Um, You know, when we started this thing, I was 50 years old, and the only sport I'd really, really participated into up to that date was Zumba. Now, don't laugh at Zumba because it's a darn good way to get in shape. However, I was not athletic, never played a sport in my life, Never was really on a sports team or practiced anything. Didn't have a lot of athletic ability. But when I quit, and what I quickly discovered as I began to love this exercise regime is that how I live my life every day, my daily routine, my daily habits really matter. <laughs> they really, really matter. My diet, what I was taking in, what I was eating, has a huge impact on my life. Something as simple as how much water I drink, what time I went to bed, what time I got up, you know, how I slept, my sleep patterns, my resting pattern, even things like willingness to learn. These coaches were a fraction of my age, yet I had to, you know, patiently learn how to lift things and how to squat things or all those things. I had to practice and not give up. You know, when it was 12 minutes into a workout and I really wanted to cry and throw up, I had to endure and stay there. These daily things that I was willing to do day in, day out, these couple of elements had the potential for incredible dividends. Hence, I don't want to scare you. Don't run out of the room. I'm just kidding. 
Hey, I'm in it for longevity, baby. I'm in it for, I'm just getting started with this life. So I do this stuff because I want to be around. So what does building these have to do with building strong relationships? Absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. My daily life, now I'm not talking about in the gym, I'm talking about in my soul. My daily life, my habits or lack thereof, literally lays the groundwork for the depth and the quality of the relationships I have. Hear that. Your daily habits, my daily habits, is what I'm building my relationships on. I have to look at how I'm living my daily life. Before I look at why things go wrong or who's done what to me, I have to look at my daily life. You know, perhaps you were here in January for the Golden Series, the seven golden habits that, we, that Justin shared about. They're timeless and they're life-changing. Um, your daily time with God. That intentional Bible reading, praying for people, praying for yourself, praying before God, you know, in, increasing your faith, hear, learning to hear God's voice, believing that you hear God's voice, and learning to be led by that Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that speaks to you. These are daily practices that we, we must embrace. Sharing our faith with those who don't know Christ. You know, when's the last time we really shared Christ? with someone who doesn't know him. Stewarding our resources, whether it be our time or our money, stewarding them wisely, that matters. Even in building relationships, that matters. Living sexually pure, it matters. It matters day in, day out. And then taking and making time for Sabbath rest. This is going to help determine the quality and the depth of your relationships. And why? So why are these things important? Because that's where you change. These consistent daily practices, that's where you're transformed. That's where I'm transformed. You know, without learning to walk with God daily in these spiritual disciplines, and that's what they are, just like going to bed at the right time has to do with the gym, these daily spiritual disciplines. If we don't practice them, we don't change or grow. And sadly, we drag into our new life in Christ the old soul issues, that have hindered and broken relationships for years. I mean, I can be honest and say that. My soul, apart from the presence of God, apart from walking with God every day, my soul doesn't change. What do I mean? Things like envy, things like insecurity and jealousy, things like being easily offended or impatient or quick to judge or quick to criticize or thinking you're better. I mean, these are, this is my list. <laughs> you probably have your own. This is my list. These are the things in my soul that have to change. Because if I don't change, I look to you to do in my life what only God can do. I look to relationships to do what only God can do. And then I'm that clingy friend or I'm that self-absorbed friend that doesn't see the other person. So we have to. And when we spend this time, that's when the fruit of the Spirit of God, that's when we start to love beyond ourselves. We start to have joy not based on what you do for me. We start to have peace and patience, all the things we want to be, loving kindness, self-control. We start to, to live in those things. So in this framework in Ephesians, step one to building strong relationships is you, me, we need to learn to walk. We need to learn to walk. Plain and simple, we need to learn to walk, to walk with Jesus every day. Let's take a look at verse 2 of Ephesians 4, but this time I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation. You can follow it up on the screen. Paul says, With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate 
gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. When I read that verse, I was like, wow, generous love. I want to be known for my generous love. Sounds so wonderful, doesn't it? It sounds so easy and, oh, it just would be great. Until I noticed, like, the little asterisk next to the word generous, and I looked down the bottom of the page, and there was a footnote, and it said, the Aramaic, the Aramaic word for generous literally means stretching. Come on, stretching. So it's not generous love that just overflows. It's stretching love. Now, I hate stretching at the gym. It's a huge waste of time. It's practically a workout for me. So I'm always like, I can't, and I want to skip it, but I give in to peer pressure because everybody else is. And that one guy who never does constantly gets injured. So I know the level of athlete I even am, if you could call me that, that stretching is crucial to developing muscle, to be able to develop muscle. So what does stretching have to do with building relationships with muscle? I'm glad you asked me that. Stretching love, stretching has everything to do with building good relationships, strong, solid, honest relationships. That verse 2 that I read from the Passion Translation, do you remember the little tail end of the verse? I do. It said, showing this stretching love, this generous love, especially to those who try your patience. Oh, man. In the office where I work, City Church headquarters, when it comes to technology, you know, the interweb, all the things you do on the interweb. I know it's not called that. That was a joke. Um, I am the poster child for the try your patience thing because I'm just really challenged by it, and nobody else is. And I have to be on the interweb every single day, so I find myself going up to these two specific youngsters I work with. I have to go up to them with my computer and go, what is that? Why did I do? And they patiently and consistently say things to me like, you see the on and off button? <laughs> Just go to, go to on. Come on, Grandma, go to on. You can do it. Or you see the plug, like plug that computer in, and that's going to be a lot better. There's also a lot of technical answers they give me that I don't remember any of them. But the whole point of my story is, you know, they have to exercise stretching love. And we have relationships in our office that build muscle. We care about each other. So you're welcome, the two gentlemen I'm speaking of. I'm helping you grow patience because it's an area I'm challenging. So what I'm trying to say is, like, seriously, it's easy to love those who are easy to love, and it's easy to love when you're in the mood. But that's not really what grows strong relationships, just loving when times are easy, loving when people are agreeable or things are going your way or no one's challenging you. That's not learning to love. You know, um, back to the gym... I know it's real important when you're lifting weights to, to apply tension. By that I mean you can't just lift the same amount week after week, month after month. You've got to add those little two and a halves. You've got to add those fives. You've got to push yourself a little further. Same thing with this stretching love. Is you've got you've to push yourself a little further. You know, you got to take what you heard, what you've learned, what, how you were transformed in your learning to walk, and you have to learn to love beyond yourself, beyond when it's easy, beyond when you feel like it, when that person's trying your patience. We see in Ephesians there's three words that Paul uses to kind of package up this love, and the first one is humility. You know, humility is not having poor self-esteem. 
or thinking, I'm unworthy and you're so much better than me. That's not humility at all. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less. It's thinking of others more, you know? Um, Gentleness is the second word I see in these verses, this verse 2. You know, and gentleness isn't weakness or timidity. It doesn't come from a heart that's afraid of people. It's actually quite the contrary. Gentleness flows from a strength of character. Who you, you know, you have a, you have a humble assurance of who you are, you know, who you are in Jesus and, and who you are as a person. Therefore, you're able to, uh, exercise self-control in both words and actions and choices. So this humility and this gentleness leads to the third word, which is patience. And, um, you know, patience speaks of, of long suffering, of putting up with things, of not short-temperedness, but long-temperedness, right? And it's not just being able to wait. It's how we wait. It's our demeanor and how we treat people while we're waiting. Just go to the DMV if you'd like to practice that. Yeah. Uh, so we see, you know, from this text, from what I've been reading, that we need to learn to walk. Now, really, don't take this lightly. Walking is the foundation of strong, stable relationships because it's, it, it provides us with what we bring to the table in a relationship, those reciprocal, strong relationships we desire. It, it makes us become mature enough to build muscle in a relationship, that time in, that daily time with God those spiritual disciplines, then we need to learn to love. The overflow of my personal walk with God gives me the stuff I need to really build real, you know, relationships that have longevity in them. Let's look back at Ephesians. I want to read these last three verses again for you. Ephesians chapter 4, we're still in, verses 3 through 6, says, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You know, what is Paul ranting about? What, one, 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 one. How many times? He said one, five, six, seven times. I want to take a look at Romans chapter 12 and compare some verses that Paul also wrote that speak very similar things. Hang on a minute here. Romans chapter 12. Somebody moved Romans. Here it is. Oh, here it is. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. So we saw in Ephesians, Paul was speaking about that one body, that one hope, that one faith, that one baptism. Ephesians, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. says, For the, by, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith, that God has assigned. For, is, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is wild. There's one body but many members. We are different. We have different functions. I mean, look around the room. We're all different, but we're still one body. We're not individual parts trying to work this thing out. We're different, unique parts with one body. Now, that's, hard, that's a hard concept to swallow in our society. We're very individualistic. We want to do our own thing. But the reality is, when we step into Jesus and a life in Jesus, we become part of a body. We become part of his church. And more than that, Paul says, 
We are individually members of one another. So while I have my relationship with Jesus, first and foremost, I am individually a member of you. When you hurt, like Mike, Mike shared this morning, we all hurt. This isn't one isolated. We all hurt. When you thrive, I thrive. So what does this look like in the real world? What does this look like for me and you? Just as I'm connected to Christ in his body, I'm connected to you in his body. There's no getting away from it. I can't live this, this Christian existence isolated and alone. I'm connected to you. You're connected to me. We relate as parts of a body, not as contestants in a game competing against one another. That's another against the grain, against the culture thought. Like, I'm not competing with you. We're, we're completing a body together. I can't ignore you. I can't cut you off. I can't not care about other parts of the body without hurting myself. And at the same time, I can't bless, love, care for another part of the body without blessing and caring for myself. This is really good news. This is really, really great news. My true individuality, your true, unique individuality, who God created you to be, before you were in your mother's womb, he had his eye on you. He knit you in, his mother, in your mother's womb, like it says in Psalm 139 there. Your true individuality is discovered and experienced, hear this, in relationship to the body. You're not meant to do this thing alone. You're meant to discover who you are in the context of his church. Your best self, my best self, shines in the context of his church. We hear that? We're not meant to do this. We're not meant to walk alone. We're meant to be part of a body. So, and I got to tell you, church, like this is not theory for me. I, this is not a good idea on a page. This is reality for my life, for my husband and I, for our kids. And we're not perfect. I mean, we're, we're learning and growing. My journey's this long. I'm here. But this is reality, you know, because we're part of a body. Because, you know, like, like I said earlier, we've been around since the beginning with this thing. We've developed some deep and wide relationships. People who, I could stand here all day and tell you the time in and the time out that my friends who know Jesus have walked with us through deaths, through weddings, through season change, through hard times, through good times, the laughs, the tears, and we've done the same for them. But it's not always easy. It's not always easy. It doesn't just, you know, sprinkle down from heaven like manna. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. You know, being willing to be part of a body means that you're willing to not run from the inevitable conflict and confrontation that happens between human beings. We're not, we're not going to run. We learn to walk with God every day. We learn to love from that overflow, and we learn to fight. We learn to fight. You know, the thing with conflict and confrontation is there's really two extremes that I'm going to lovingly label scaredy cat and steamroller. And I've been both and still have been, still slip into it at times. Scaredy cat is exactly that. I'm scared. I'm so afraid that I'll lose you if I'm honest. I'm so afraid to really show you who I am for fear you'll run. I can't take my mask off. I'm scared. So when we have a conflict or a confrontation, I just wave the white flag and I just grow resentful inside. 
but I'm scared, so I'm not going to say anything. Then there's steamroller. Arnold, you will lose. <laughs> Come on. That was kind of, you know, the governor. Steamroller. Only voice in a conflict. A person ends up flat on the ground, not knowing what hit him. There, conflict solved. It's all over. So we have those two extremes. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. It's not who we are at City Church. It's not who you are. It's not who you have to be. It's not, but in Jesus' name, it's not who I'm going to be. And that's what builds muscle in a relationship that I'm willing. I'm willing to tell you from my overflow of my walk with God, my learning to love, I'm willing to come to you and say, you really hurt me. I don't think that was your motive, but that was the result. Can we talk about it? I'm not just going to resent you and be angry. Learning to fight means, like, I'm going to come to you and say, like, I honestly need you right now. This is what I'm going through. Being willing to fight means learning to listen, learning to hear what the other person's saying, see their perspective, hear their side without being defensive. And, you know, learning to fight means when your friend or your family member or whoever it may be is not exactly living by what they claim to live by, maybe there's some compromise, you're not judging, but you care enough about them to go, you know what, this isn't the best God has for you, this isn't the best I know of you, What's up with this? And you sit and you're willing to confront and talk about issues that we just avoid because we're scared. You know, being, learning to fight means that I am not going to gossip about you. Now, this is a biggie because there's not a person in this room, I, I, I would guess, who hasn't had somebody that they trusted or they loved talk junk about them behind their back. Sorry, that's the 80s. Talk junk, talk trash, say awful things about you behind your back, and somehow it swung back around and you heard what they said, and you were like, what? That's devastating. Learning to fight, okay? Learning to walk with Jesus, learning to love, learning to fight means I I can commit to you right now. I'm not going to talk about you behind your back. When somebody else starts, I'm not going to listen to it, and I'm not going to participate. Instead, I'm going to come to you, not around you, but I'm going to come to you and, and humbly and lovingly say, this is what's going on. Can we talk? That's learning to fight. And you know what happens when we do these things? We build connection that lasts a lifetime. We build relationships that are worth changing for, right? We restore connection and we build deep, deep trust. Like, I'm telling you, the, the, the people that we have in our world, it's not perfect, but I trust them. I trust them. I know that in my good, my bad, my ugly, they see the best in me. They speak truth to me. We laugh. We cry. We have trust. I trust them. That's what's available to us as believers, as part of a body, individually members of one another. Okay, it all sounds great, right? I think we all would want this. These three vital steps that I keep mentioning, learning to walk, learning to love, learning to fight. But I feel like there's one more thing I have to mention. Just one more thing that I really see as like the linchpin for this thing. The linchpin to, that holds relationships together. It's, it's mentioned in Ephesians, but I want to read from a, a couple of verses from Philippians. Chapter 2, 3 through 8. It's going to be up on the screen behind me. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Look, let each of you look out not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humility. Now we touched on it briefly, but humility, just hear me. Because humility is not something that we can produce in our own natural, like, grit. You can't just, I'm humble, darn it, I'm humble. We can't do it. Because eventually, it all falls apart. We see in here, you know, Paul talks about giving up selfishness and, and forsaking entitlement and caring about having a large heart towards the needs of others and choosing to put others first whether they deserve it or not. And I get that, I get that, but I still ask myself, how, God? I ask God, how, how do I take on this humility? I see this humility as this antidote to these weak, frail, shallow relationships we have, but I don't know how to grasp it. And Paul just beautifully lays it out. There's one person and there's one place we need to look to find this humility, to dig in this one source, and that's Jesus and the cross. It's Jesus and the cross. You know, as I studied this and I prayed and I prepared, I I just realized, like, if we could get a glimpse at the height from which Jesus descended to come here on earth, to to seek and save me and you, to bring us to the Father, right, to give us eternal life, if we could get a glimpse of that, you know, Philippians says, he humbled himself. Come on, creator of heaven and earth. He humbled himself and became man. You know, if I could just get a glimpse in my gut of the depth of obedience that Jesus cho- you know, chose to take part of, he grabbed hold of that obedience from that humility. It says in Philippians, again, he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If I could get a glimpse of that, if I could see what he did on the cross for me, if I could realize that he is the ultimate example, that the cross is the purest example and power of humility that has ever been in history and ever will be, the purest source of humility. If I could really see this Jesus, see his life, see his death, like John Piper said, John Piper, a theologian, a preacher said, Christians are stunned into lowliness. Christian, humility. Christians are stunned into humility. It's when I see the cross, when I see all that he did for me, that I might know God and that I might have eternal life. But hear this third part, church, hear this third part. He did all this for me so that you and I could be part of a body. It's part of the package. He did this. He died this horrific death, rose again, dwells in me by his spirit so that we could be part of a body. When I see that, I want this. I want this relationship thing. You know, I want to spend time with God every day so I can change, so I can love beyond myself. You know, I want to fight for the relationships God has for me. I want to find my very best self so, that I'll, so I can live my days loving God and serving you. That's what I want, and I believe in each of our hearts that's what we want. The band could come back up again, please. We just, I want to take a minute or two, just turn our hearts towards this and really do a little self-examining. God, where am I at with relationships? Do I see myself as, a, as an important part of a body? Not important like you're up here. It's not about where you, what you're doing. It's not about your function. It's about your heart. 
individual members of one another. Can we stand today together, please? When I prayed for this, about this message and prepared, I had to ask myself these questions. So I'm going to ask you, and I'm with you in this. You know, let's just close our eyes. Let's turn, let's like turn our hearts towards God. He's here. He wants to speak to you far beyond my thoughts and my words. Am I willing to turn towards God and give him my broken system of relationships? Now, for sure, many of us in this room have you know, one, two good, strong relationships in our life. That's, that's, I take that for granted. But there's more. There's more. Are you willing to, to let go of your broken system of relationships? Are you willing to believe that you can start fresh today? That this is what God has for you? I am eager, and I believe everyone in this room is eager to find your very best self in the context of those relationships. It's not good for us to be alone. No one wants to be alone. I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to, you know, we're going to worship together, and I'm trusting that God's going to speak to your heart. You know, when I was praying for this, I really felt like God was saying, this is a building block for every person in this room. Again, this isn't based on what I'm saying, guys. This is based on the truth of Scripture. It's a build. You are individually each a member of a body, one, one to another. So, God, we turn towards you. We trust you. We bring these, this brokenness in relationships, and we ask by your spirit, you would speak something brand new and fresh to us today. You'd give us the ability to forgive ourselves, to forgive others, to put things in the past, and then to take the steps necessary to build strong relationships. In Jesus' name.